Hello, everybody. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to remind all of you of our headline sponsor, Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water. So most days when you wake up, you actually wake up pretty dehydrated. You know, some days you notice it, some days you don't. Uh, one of the most important things to do first thing in the morning uh, to fire up your metabolism and really to just kickstart your day is to rehydrate yourself. Routine has come up with a proprietary formula called morning routine. Morning routine comes in a single serve packet uh, that you can just tear open and dump into water. I usually uh, just basically fill my you know jug that I go take out to go work out and throw one of those in the morning. So it's basically the first, you know, thing that I'm drinking in the morning next to, you know, coffee or some sort of caffeine. Each of these packets comes with half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. A lot of competitors on the market are loaded with sugar and routine is not one of those. Routine, trusted ingredients, made convenient. If morning routine sounds like something you would like to try, you can go to yourroutine.com and use code SHANEWHITE30 at checkout to receive 30% off your first order. Uh, your routine, the link to routine uh, is also in the show notes. So if you just want to click on the on the show notes, you can find it there. And don't forget to use SHANEWHITE30 at checkout. All right, everybody. Today's episode is with David Kovalevsky of Waka Coffee. Uh, he is starting, or already started, a, uh, a coffee brand, an instant coffee brand. And we get into the why, but a very interesting story of, of where he comes from and, and why this is something he's been interested in for you know years now. Um, David is creating something. It's you know Instant coffee is not a new concept, but high quality instant coffee is. And something I learned in this episode is around the world, Instant coffee is much more common than, you know, drip coffee or espresso, for example, uh, just in general, the, the size of the category. So hope you guys enjoy. And without further ado, give it up for David. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I'm stoked today to have David Kovalevsky from Waka Coffee on the podcast. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shane. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy man, so thanks for coming on. Do you mind giving everyone a just like a high level overview of what Waka Coffee is? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, first, you know, uh, nice to, to, to meet you and all the listeners. And again, I apologize. Uh, I, I told you before for my accent. I'm originally from Israel. Uh, I started Waka Coffee. Sorry? <laughs> I said people are going to love it. Uh, okay. I hope so. Uh, maybe you need like subtitles or something uh, in <laughs> case uh, there's, there's any issue. Uh, I started Waka Coffee uh, two and a half years ago. Um, after moving from Israel to New York City, I started um, because I realized that I grew up drinking instant coffee, but many people in the U.S. think badly about instant coffee or did, did not even know what instant coffee is. Uh, and at the time I studied marketing and I realized that the biggest uh, gap in this category is people probably not educated as much as uh, the, what instant coffee is, how good and beneficial it can be uh, to their livelihood. livelihood. Uh, and just started Waka Coffee bootstrapping with the idea of providing more higher quality type of instant coffee that marketed differently, that looks differently than, you know, your Maxwell or Folgers or the old school brands. Uh, and it's made from 100% Arabica beans. So it's the same type of coffee beans you can find at your uh, local coffee shop. Uh, and it's also freeze dried to preserve the aroma and flavors of the beans. Uh, traditional instant coffee brands usually use spray dried beans um, and uh, Robusta beans. So Robusta beans is an, an inferior type of coffee bean. It's uh, cheaper to grow. Uh, it can grow in lower altitudes. So uh, they usually use those type of beans and they spray dry it uh, because it's cheaper again to process. But then you have this bitter taste of the Robusta beans and also the uh, burn taste of the spray drying because they apply heat sure. to the instant coffee. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, a so, little, a little uh, chemistry uh, lesson here. Love that. No, that's really interesting. I, I love coffee. And uh, obviously, I told you before we started, you know, 
anytime I come across a coffee brand, I love to learn more. And yours is very unique. So I, I think this is awesome. Um, yeah. The first thing I was curious, I mean, you, you kind of gave the, the, the answer there, but like, I wanted to know where the kind of the concept came from. So I guess one thing I didn't know, so you're saying over in the Middle East, like instant coffee is really popular. Yes. So instant coffee is actually pretty popular everywhere, but in the U.S. Uh, so instant coffee still to this day is the most popular uh, coffee method preparation in Asia and Europe, um, even in Australia, Canada. Uh, in the U.S. it was popular as well somewhere in the 60s, 70s. And then it uh, was forgotten at the bottom shelf of the grocery store. But because of, you know, the second, third wave of coffee in the U.S., uh, but to this day, um, most countries around the world still drink uh, instant coffee uh, and skewed heavily towards instant coffee. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I had no idea that was a thing. So when you, obviously, like on here, what I told you before, you know, really like to get into how, how you went from zero to one. So you came to New York. It, did you, were you trying instant coffees and they all just sucked? Is that pretty much like, you know, what was going through your head? And you're like, why, do all, why are all these so bad in New York? Yes, yeah, so it actually, uh, it, it, it was a little process. So uh, back when I lived in New York, I worked full-time. I went to school uh, nighttime, full-time as well. So my schedule was 7 a.m. until 11 p.m. every day. I drank a lot of coffee, as you can imagine, sure. like three, four cups a day. And I realized that, you know, I was spending much of money. I had three different types of coffee at a day. It was very inconsistent, also expensive, inconvenient. And... I, I just going thinking of what did I do when I grew up in Israel? Uh, was it as complicated there as well? And then I realized that the answer was not as much. Yes, you know, I, I could get a cup of coffee from a coffee shop, but at home in the office when I was in the military, I always drank instant coffee. There was always instant coffee wherever I was. And then I realized that it's, it's, it's weird. People don't drink instant coffee in the US. Um, so I started asking my local friends, like, you know, do you know any good instant coffee brands? Went to a bunch of grocery stores. First of all, it took me some time to find instant coffee in the coffee aisle. Sure. From the beginning again, because you know they kind of hide them at the bottom, um, and and then when I did try them, it, it tasted nothing like what I used to, or something that I could drink on a daily basis. Uh, so, you know, I one plus one. I'm like, okay, my background in marketing, uh, I drink instant coffee. Uh, it's huge category in the US as well, but people don't realize it, and everywhere but in the U.S. people drink instant coffee. So there must be an opportunity here as well. And then I kind of started, you know, thinking and thinking, how, how can I become this brand that people will actually uh, reintroduce instant coffee to, to, to U.S. consumers? Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. The, the next thing I, I comes to mind to me is, what are there other benefits to instant coffee? I mean, obviously the instant part is, yeah. is probably the key. Um, yeah. But when I think when I'm thinking back to like when that must have changed in the US going from instant coffee to what we have today, it almost seems it almost seems backwards, right? It's like if, if instant coffee was unless it just always tasted bad, which it sounds like it probably did. Um, right. You know, why did we move to all these other processes that use bigger machinery and lots of different materials and like it just it's a lot more effort to get a good cup of coffee using the other ways you know pour over espresso drip coffee whatever um is there any other reasons besides it just being instant i guess because i guess to like answer my own question i'm I'm assuming if it's uh if it tastes as good as all these other coffees then yeah why would you want it simpler quicker yeah well you know that's the million dollar question why people think badly about instant coffee these days um i I assume it's that Coffee became such as an experience, uh, again, with the second, third waves of coffee and specialty coffee, and especially the espresso drinks that Starbucks kind of uh, get that movement going. And people thought of instant coffee as it's too simple. Uh, it's just, you know, it's they wanted to elevate their coffee experience. They wanted to tell their friends, I drink this espresso from this expensive machine. Uh, look at the beans. Again, it's kind of like wine. You want to talk about how you make it, what types of beans, what types of products. And instant coffee is, is looked as a simple product, which it is. Uh, and then again, the bigger brands, um, their strategy was it's a convenience product. We cannot compete on quality and we wanna sell as much as possible for the lowest price possible. So they did not even try to compete on the quality aspect. They wanted to be the uh, $2 wine bottle that people yeah. just buy as, as, out of the habit when they need it. 
Uh, and it, it worked for them uh, with the demographics they are targeting. And they continue that way. Um, the, the idea with Waka is uh, it, it is convenience, but it also can taste good. It can be from quality beans. Um, it doesn't have to be your fancy espresso, uh, you know, from uh, Intelligentsia, but it could taste really good. It could be very convenient um, and, you know, just a, a good match from convenience and quality. And that's what we are trying to achieve with Waka. So we definitely, you know, don't want to be the, the fanciest coffee out there, but we also don't want to be the low quality instant coffee you're probably familiar with. Got it. So it's like a you, you're really going after like a premium, pre, more premium version of what's out there today, kind of in that white space. Yeah, I, I don't really like the word premium. And that's also why I was avoiding on the packaging and like in descriptions, I, I, I describe Waka as quality. It's a quality type of bean. Um, Got it. There are premium coffees out there, uh, but it's, I want to make the coffee experience more accessible that to me, like when I, you know, went to school and worked, it was inconvenient, inconvenient for me to, to drink these four types of coffee. So I want to make the coffee experience more approachable and convenient. And I think through instant coffee, more people can experience coffee in a much easier and tastier way. Got it. Yeah. I love that. It totally makes sense. Is, um, do you remember, I guess the very first batch of Waka coffee, like when you think back to when you first started it and I believe it was 2018, do yeah. you remember, like, how did you source and like the process of getting instant coffee, is that different than, you know, re buying regular coffee beans or ground beans? Is there like a difference in the way that gets turned into instant coffee? And do you remember like the very first batch of the one you created? Yeah. So, well, first of all, we don't uh, create the coffee in the U.S. We source them and they're pro uh, manufactured at origin, either Colombia or India at this point. And we source the instant coffee and we package it here in California. Uh, the first uh, batch of instant coffee, I actually packaged myself uh, each packet with a spoon and a heat sealer at a commercial kitchen. It took me hours because uh, each box has eight packets. So I had to heat seal and, and refill each packet individually myself. Oh, wow. Um, so definitely, and we, we talked about it for a little bit. This entire company was bootstrapping from day one. Uh, there was no outside investment. I literally, similar to the RX bar story, started sure. with $10,000. Yeah. I actually listened to their podcast and I'm like, okay, I can do it if they did it and they created that. And kind of inspired me. So same thing, $10,000, bunch of credit card debt, um, sourced everything, had a, a commercial kitchen and packaged everything myself. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have those photos still from that day. Of yeah. All these packets and all, all the heat sealer and everything. And uh, it took, took hours. Um, so looking back, it's, you know, reminiscent at, at you know, those moments. But when I was at the moment, I'm like, okay, where is it going? I cannot stand for hours here packaging it myself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Was the, the, do you remember if the first batch was good? Uh, it was, yeah, it was good. The, the good part is because we um, source it from the origin, it's, we can scale and it's also, you know, consistent in taste, which is also another benefit of instant coffee. Ah. Is that you can, you can create the same consistency in flavor uh, batch over batch. Uh, so yes, the beans are, you know, sometimes different, but because they, uh, freeze dried the same way they roasted the same way um, you know they use the same types of beans it, it varies crop to crop with the beans but it's usually you can create a very consistent flavor uh, which also you know makes it easier for us to have recurring customers because you know the taste doesn't change as much crop over crop sure uh, oh yeah but yeah before I actually sorted the coffee I, I tried very you know different blends different companies different sources um you know compared notes and wrote notes and the descriptions of coffee because you know people still want to learn more about where the coffee is coming from what the tasting notes are so uh it took me about a year before that first batch to kind of realize what will make a quality product so i tasted a bunch of products during that year uh, but when the first batch arrived it was you know the perfect what I was looking for. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's very rare. I mean, you know what I mean? It's very rare to have yeah. like your first batch be something that high, you know, high quality and, and up to your standards. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people go through that process and it's a, it's, it takes a long time to kind of tinker and get to the perfect product. Um, do, do you also remember early on, you know, you said you came from Israel and what was it when you like, you know, told family, friends, 
that you wanted to start this instant coffee company. How was that? Was that accepted? I love to ask founders like what they kind of went through when they told their friends and family. And, and do you remember kind of like one of the initial conversations where you were like, I'm going forward with this, I'm starting this business and, and just like how that process went for you? Yeah, well, um, you know, the close friends and family, um, it, I, I feel that like even if they uh, think your idea is stupid, they will not tell you that. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of people think thought that like, you know, I, I worked in tech before I was doing marketing for a SaaS company. And then all of a sudden I'm going to sell instant coffee on the internet. Yeah. So I'm sure people raised some eyebrows, uh, but overall they were supportive. They knew that I, I always wanted to do something uh, in coffee and be an entrepreneur. Since I was 13 years old, I was collecting menus from coffee shops. I still have the binder with a bunch of menus from coffee shops. So I always wanted to have my own coffee shop. Just didn't know it's going to be an online instant coffee shop. Sure. Yeah. Um, so they were excited, uh, you know, obviously I'm sure that uh, they, their thinking was like, okay, good luck. I'll give it a few months, you know, we'll see how it goes. Right. Um, you know, some people, especially Israelis that grew up drinking instant coffee, didn't realize the idea of you're going to sell instant coffee for how much? Uh, that was, you know, also some of the reactions. And uh, my response was, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a higher quality. Uh, it's different. So I had to defend my ideas a lot. Uh, and to, till, till this day but um, overall I think uh, when I talked with people they were supportive but I, I'm sure that wasn't always uh, you know what they were thinking about uh, internally uh, I actually you know it's a funny thing I, I, uh, I also listened to a bunch of podcasts and I, I uh, heard Mike Dubin uh, giving a commencement speech uh, and he was saying that you know I give you a commencement speech but back in the day I was the guy who was selling razors on the internet so ah, it's the yeah. thing is like, I'm selling instant coffee on the internet. So, uh, you know, uh, but um, yeah, overall they were supportive, but uh, I'm sure, you know, they had their uh, questions and doubts. Sure. As everyone probably does. Right. Especially if it's your first, you know, first venture on your own into a space yeah. that you don't necessarily have a ton of experience in. Um, but I think it's really cool. I always think it's interesting to hear, you know, some people have the story of a lot of buy-in, some people have put a lot of pushback. And so it's interesting to hear like how that all started for you. Um, kind of to build off what you said, you know, it's obviously a, a quality coffee. Uh, I personally haven't had it yet, but I would love to know, you know, when you, when you talk to potential consumers and people listening to this, um, that want to check out Waka coffee, um, what do you tell them? Like, what is it? Is it, is there something you can compare it to? Or what's the reason that people should try Waka coffee over, you know, a different coffee brand? Like, where do you kind of like, how do you kind of walk consumers through like the competitive advantage of, of using Waka coffee in their morning? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, um, you know, I go into use cases of like, you know, uh, how do you make your coffee now? How much money you spend on coffee? If you ever tried instant coffee, a lot of people don't even know what instant coffee is, or if they heard of it, they heard bad things and never tried it. And then I kind of walk them through the use case. Okay, you know, you, do you live by yourself? Do you actually make a coffee pot? Then you have to clean it. Then you have mm -hmm. to, you know, is it only for one person? Do you have, how much money you spend on capsules? How much money you spend on your coffee maker? And kind of finding the ways that how I can convince people that instant coffee is so much easier. It doesn't taste, you know, bad as you think it, and it could help you. And I always also always say that it, it doesn't have to be, you know, all or nothing. If you already spend $500 on your fancy espresso machine, I'm not gonna, okay, you know, just drink Waka now from now on, but you can run your fancy espresso machine in the morning, but then your second, third cup during lunchtime that you don't wanna run in again. You don't wanna clean, you don't wanna have all the mess. You want it just quick and delicious. Try Waka coffee and, uh, you know, see how it helps you uh, to consume your, your coffee. Um, I, I, obviously I have a lot of, you know, uh, backlash of like instant coffee is bad. So then I go into the process of how we different from the traditional instant coffee brands and why, what's the difference between Arabica beans and Robusta beans and the way it's freeze-dried versus spray-dried. Uh, and then uh, people just give it a try and they, and, and they love it. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's as close as it can get to uh, brewed coffee minus mm -hmm. all the mess of making it. Um, so, you know, because it dissolves in your, in your cup, there's no coffee beans waste. You don't have to clean. Yeah, ah, true. Yeah. You don't have to clean the machine. You don't have to clean, you know, uh, dispose the, the, the residuals, the coffee beans. Um, and you can just 
you know, make it one cup at a time. It's fresh every time you make it because it's only one cup when you make it. Right. Is it fair to say, I just thought of this because I have literally have tea here sitting next to me. Is it like relatively the same concept as the way a tea bag works? Like, is that, you basically get hot, either boiling or just really hot water and you have a, it's like a, it's like a, you know, a tea bag, but it's a coffee bag that you're kind of dipping in and it's kind of the same process. So no, no, no bag at all. Uh, so it's uh, coffee granules uh, oh. that literally dissolve in your water. So we have single syrup. So let's say you pour, you open a packet and you just put it into your uh, water and it fully disappears. It's dissolves and it creates a delicious cup of coffee. So uh, oh. liquid IV style, but coffee. Oh, love that. Okay. Got yeah. it. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, never. Okay. Got it. I didn't know that was how that works. Very cool. Yeah. That gives people a much better understanding of what the product is too, I think, because exactly. I would, yeah. the whole time I've been envisioning it like it would work like a tea, but that's really cool. So, so it's also, in, in that scenario, it's also better, you know, for the environment. There's no tea bags. Our packaging is mostly recyclable. It ships very light. So, uh, you know, it also saves on carbon emissions. So we also go on the environmental angle as well, that there's no waste uh, in the packaging. There's no waste in the processing, uh, you know, how you make your coffee. Uh, there, there are no machines, no electricity as much. It's just literally a kettle uh, with hot water. You can also mix sure. it with cold water and make iced coffee much easier. Oh, really? So if you just filled, you know, like a cup of water with ice and poured your product in, you can mix it up and you have iced coffee. Yeah. I mean, yeah, mix it before you put the ice. Uh, okay, it, sure. yeah. So it will dissolve easily. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, with cold water, give it a few stirs and it will fully dissolve. A lot of people use frotters these days. So it's even much easier with, you know, frotter. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's as easy as that. Love that. That's actually really cool to me. Iced coffee in the summer. I always start to like transition to iced coffee. I notice, yeah. but it's always a pain in the ass. I always feel like I have to like brew a, I have, we have like an espresso type maker, where you can make a regular cup of coffee in it. And I always feel like I'm like making a cup of coffee in, a, in like a mug. Cause that's the only thing that fits. Then I have to put it in like a mixer bottle with ice and shake it up and then dump it back into it. It's like, it's a whole thing. So that's, right. this sounds right. nice and convenient. You, you mix it with water, give it a shake. You can also, you know, protein shakes. A lot of people will want to have the caffeine kick or the coffee flavor. So you just, again, it dissolves in whatever it is. So you just pour a few granules of coffee in your shake, uh, coffee in your protein shake. Yeah. yeah, love that. You could basically flavor anything with some coffee flavor, protein right. shake or whatever you're taking. Love that. Very cool. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So, and you, you launched this in 2018. One thing I love to ask is, uh, did you go from your full-time job and jump in this full-time or did this start as kind of a side hustle? And then you jumped into walk a coffee and like, could you walk everyone through just that process? I think it's a really pivotal and important part of any journey is like how you went from usually a full-time job to becoming an entrepreneur. Definitely. Um, so, well, First, like I said, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I was, you know, collecting ideas, was journaling my ideas all the time. And uh, so it, it was a process. It wasn't like overnight, I, this is what I'm doing. Um, and then when I kind of nailed down on the idea, of I want to create instant coffee brand. It took me about a year of just talking with suppliers, not selling anything. I did not have a website. It was just talking with suppliers, packaging, working on a little bit of designs. And that was a side hustle at that time. I did have a full-time job then, uh, but I did not have a product. I didn't have a website. I didn't sell anything. Uh, but um, fortunately, with timing, my wife and I also moved to LA at the time. And that that what triggered my, uh, okay, I'm going to go full-time before I launch this product because I know myself that... Um, I need to focus on one thing at a time. Uh, and it just was the right opportunity. We moved and I, I didn't want to work remote at the time. It was pre-COVID people, okay. you know, it was different uh, working remotely. I'm like, I don't, I cannot work remote, um, but, and I want to focus on this idea. So then in 2018, when we moved in August, I, I, I started it full time, uh, started having the, the physical product in hand, uh, built the website and then launched it in October, 2018 uh, and was, devoted all in it uh looking back was it the smartest idea just to start it full-time um for me probably yes but also not sure (laughs) because you know you have a lot of frustrating days you don't get a paycheck so that's another stress on top of it uh so i don't know if i will done it again the same way but um for me that was the right move just to to do it full-time um after this year of research Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that a, I'm sure, like you said, that was stressful. What were some of the things you had to like think through? Like 
the one that I've mentioned on here before that I think everyone goes to right away is like health insurance, for example. Um, right. You know, if you're not getting a paycheck, like what did you do for some of those things? Like, I mean, you must have just had enough put away that you were able to kind of bridge the gap until you started selling. Uh, but what did you do for things like, I don't know, health insurance or other things that usually, yeah. you know, a company helps pay for? Well, it was definitely stressful uh, financially. Uh, you know, luckily, you know, I, I was married at a time and still married, but I had my wife to support uh, us and she's an attorney. She's working for the government. So, you know, nothing crazy salaries, but still decent uh, to support us at the beginning. And we had the health insurance through her. Uh, But, you know, after a month or two and, you know, when you you start, you have days with zero sales and then you're like, I had zero sales today. I have no paycheck. It kind of can, you know, put you down uh, quite literally. Uh, so after a month or two, I was also looking for consultant jobs that I could do on the side. So I was doing, um, helping other brands with my marketing experience on Upwork or doing some, you know, uh, consultancy online. So I had always some sort of small income on the side in the first year. Um, you know, nothing similar to the paycheck I had. Um, I did not save a lot of money also beforehand. So it was definitely a stressful time. Uh, but, you know, uh, you have to work it through. So, you know, sure. with Upwork, it's, it's, it, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's, you can find a job on Upwork doing consulting. You can do whatever it takes if, if you want to make it work. Got it. Upwork. Okay. That's one I haven't heard of. So there you go. Um, yeah. makes a ton of sense. And I, I think there's a lot of value I'm sure in just diving in full time. You know, I mean, I, I, I talk to a lot of people who do the side hustle thing. I, I get that. And, uh, I think that's one way to do it, but it, it is interesting that people that dive, full in it's kind of like i got to make this work i got to figure it out and it's got to work because i'm betting all my all my i'm going all in on this so totally get that and so you launched in october of 2018 uh now we're sitting here at the end of june 2021 as you launched the brand i know you said you launched online so was that primarily like d2c and amazon so when when i just launched it was just d2c for the first almost year maybe even longer than a year no amazon at all i was afraid of amazon i don't know why but i was uh scared that um you know it's gonna hurt the brand it's i always looked at warby parker in a way and like how what they built and they are not on amazon uh so for the first year or so I, i was not on amazon it was just d2c and um I did not even run any ads. So it was just word of mouth and also a lot of PR. And I can, you know, dive deeper into that as well. Of like, what's the growth hacks that I did uh, uh, in that regard. But um, started with Amazon only probably in 2019, uh, okay. end of 2019. Right before COVID. Uh, 2019, end of, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, no, so mid-2019. I had okay. a few months before COVID. Got it. Uh, then COVID kind of accelerated it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, probably middle 2019 there. So then, you know, you're you're online. Have you grown distribution anywhere else besides online channels at this point? Are you like in any retail stores or anything else? Yeah. So we just launched with our first retail partner, um, uh, Central Market. In nice. Texas. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the cool part, you know, through the past two and a half years, we, we had few opportunities people reaching out because they found us online we, we had some quite success online and uh, we were kind of pushing it back because i didn't feel that we are ready uh again the fear of that i had with amazon i also have the fear of you know i don't want to burn bridges i want to make sure that i'm ready um i read a lot of stories about people scaling really fast and then it doesn't work so i'm yeah. you know it's a hard balance of i want to push back but also i want to work and grow um so uh, we just finished a leading CPG accelerator SKU in Austin. Nice, and, yeah. And Big I one. got, yeah, and I got a bunch of you know really good mentors in retail uh, and advisors. And at this point, I felt that we are ready to launch in retail. And also, central market is relatively smaller than you know your Kroger or whatever it is. So it, it could be also a really good test for us in retail. So we just launched. Really excited about it. In all of their stores. Um, but we are primarily online. We also have uh, some business-to-business partners. So okay. we have sold at some headquarters and hotels. Uh, some hotels leave our packets in the rooms uh, instead of a K-cup machine. Uh, they'll put just a few packets in a small kettle. Um, so yeah, these are our main channels. We definitely see the future in retail, uh, but you know, want to get to it slowly and, and smartly. 
makes a ton of sense. Um, I always use the saying, and this is from my experience at RX, is um, it's great when we unlock new distribution. It was great to like, get on a shelf, but what really matters is if you can move it off the shelf, right? right? Like if you if you get the distribution, I mean, first of all, if you pay for it, then obviously right. you're already starting from behind. So if you're paying slotting and, and, and paying to be on that shelf space, then it just becomes utterly important to make sure it's a product that moves. So hearing that you're, you're building a business online first, I mean, that's, that's key. That's huge. Yeah. And, and, you know, same thing with RX, they didn't go to retail right away. They went to gyms and they found a channel that could, you know, prove the concept first. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we do online. Um, and yeah, with retail, you, you know, you don't want to be get kicked out after six months and never get back to this retailer again. Uh, so we're trying to make it as, as wisely as we can. Definitely. No, that makes sense. And, and you mentioned, you know, worried about Amazon, worried about um, yeah. retailers. I totally get that too. Just there's, you know, there's a lot of things you got to do, you know, a lot of little things you got to get right. Otherwise, you know, it, maybe it won't go as planned. Did you, you kind of hit on it, but did you say that uh, COVID for Waka Coffee was a big year online? I'm assuming like Amazon fueled a ton of growth and probably D2C as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, COVID was a very, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm feeling bad when I say it, but it was a pivotal moment for COVID, COVID for Waka because, you know, our growth was uh, exponential and our brand awareness. Um, part of it because of COVID and people were just buying coffee for home and working from home. But also in April, I don't know if you're, you, you've seen, uh, Instant Coffee kind of went viral with whipped coffee, Dalgona coffee. Uh, oh, no, I don't know if I saw that. Yeah, so whipped coffee is, it started originally. Whipped, I, my wife, yeah. big on whipped. Yes, okay, hold yes. on. That, that rung a bell. It took me a second. Yeah, so it's made from Instant Coffee. It started, you know, uh, years ago in India and in South Korea. But then um, from here to there, all of a sudden in April, it became viral on TikTok. It's just basically you mix Instant Coffee, water and sugar and whip it. And it looks creamy. And uh, it, it, it went crazy viral on TikTok. We were sold out of all of our products in, in a week and everyone was sharing. And we kind of rode the wave. Uh, the, the great part is that Right before it started, I always have interns uh, that are a younger than me and be probably much better than me on, you know, TikTok and on TikTok, yeah, and the sure. trends. That are, I'm I'm trying on TikTok, but you know, uh, I'm always failing. But they're really good at it. So somewhere in like mid March, before Dolgona uh, became a huge hit, um, they kind of say like, you know, let's do something with Dolgona. It's instant coffee. So we filmed videos with it you know, social posts, we did blogs. And for the first week or two of this trend, we were the first result on Google. So, oh, wow. yeah, we got like uh, some days, like 40,000 hits just from a blog post about Dolgona on Google. Obviously, we're not first on Google anymore because everyone wrote about it from the New York Times, LA Times. But at the beginning, we were first on Google just because the interns told me about it. Um, and we wrote a blog post about it. Wow. So um, we had tremendous success with that. And ever since we, you know, uh, obviously, you know, uh, like with all CPG brands, um, there was a, a, a downhill, you know, a little bit in May, June. Sure. But, but it's, you know, starting to pick up again. And it, it, it was part of our mission. It reintroduced instant coffee to new people, to new demographics in, in, in a different way. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, it's crazy. The I always say COVID to me and, and from talking to people on here, uh, there's two types of brands. There's There's the ones that personally, you know, maybe weren't ready for the e-com boom, yeah. even though it's been coming for so long, like they just kind of were waiting and, and just hadn't taken advantage of it. And they, I think they missed the huge wave. And then there's a lot of brands I've talked to that, I mean, they just jumped all over it and, and rode the wave and, and it's crazy. I mean, obviously COVID was a really tough year for all of us, but right. um, at the same time, there are a lot of brands, especially ones that are e-commerce focused that uh, had huge years uh, just with the eyes and the traffic moving more to online. And I think it's going to stay to some degree. Like I think obviously there's some, you know, some declines year over year, just because there's more, more people are out and about and, and willing to go to stores again. But I think for the vast majority of people, uh, it was an opportunity to learn how convenient e-commerce can be. If you haven't really right. used e-commerce for a lot of stuff, food being in my opinion, probably one of those categories that a lot of people had been hesitant on purchasing food online, mm -hmm. um, food and beverages. And so it's interesting. It's, I mean, it's great to hear brands like you that, you know, you know, had a strong year and hopefully got a ton of new people into the funnel. Yeah. And, you know, we were only online at this point. So, you know, uh, we focused a lot on SEO and, you know, growth hacks and being on all the top instant coffee lists. So 
we got very lucky also with the trend because uh, people were searching for instant coffee and right. because we were already online they found waka coffee right away um and you know it's just we were ready but it was also the timing and a lot of luck with the trend as well yeah sure yeah everything there's a little bit of luck in everything successful yeah. i think you know what i mean yeah um we, we chatted about this a little bit before too. I mean, the next thing after distribution, I always, you know, always very interested in, and you mentioned it a little bit is just the concept between bootstrapping and raising capital. And you mentioned that you, you've mostly bootstrapped this, but just would love to know your perspective. And as you've started this brand over the last three years, like what your concept has been and like how you've thought through the process of, of bootstrapping versus raising capital. Yeah. Um, well, Partially is that, you know, I'm from Israel. I didn't grow up here. I, I don't have a huge network of a bunch of, you know, VC friends that went to school with me. So uh, first, I, I, I didn't raise money because also I knew that I won't be able to raise money from the get-go, especially without any proof of concept. So I, I was kind of on my own. Uh, and, you know, but also it made me work so much harder because the money that I was spending was my money. And it was my debt that I'm getting with credit cards and I had to make it work. Um, so for two years, it was just living off the profits and growing slowly and steady. And again, that's what we're still trying to do. Uh, uh, we are raising a little bit of capital now, but you know, nothing crazy, no like millions of dollars. Again, just to take us to the next step. And even at, at this step is that seeing the culture of like, I just going to raise as much as I can even before I have a proof of concept. It's not something that I'm, that's the route that I want to take. So I understand that we'll have to raise capital because, you know, we won't be able to grow to the level that I, I see the brand going to. But also, again, I want to make it more uh, wisely in a way that uh, will also make sense for the brand and the company uh, and the stakeholders uh, instead of just going all in, raising capital, burning a bunch, bunch of cash. Um, so I, I bootstrap all of it and I saw a huge value of bootstrapping it. Um, and obviously we will have to raise more capital moving forward, but even then I still want to have the bootstrapping mentality. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and when you think about raising capital, when you say you need to in the future, um, is that for people listening who've never raised capital or, or don't know really what that process looks like? I mean, is that really because in order for you to unlock, you know, x distribution point so when i say that like target walmart whoever it may be a whole foods yeah. whatever whatever the retailer is you think you need investment in order to be able to like produce enough coffee to, to sell to those people and with cash flow situations with payment terms like what what are the things that you're thinking through of why you would need to raise capital then right uh so a few reasons well first of all um you know we also always want to innovate. So R&D and creating new products, new supply, supply chain, obviously buying inventory in advance. So to make sure that we are always have inventory, we always have to have uh, a stash of inventory that costs sure. money, yeah. uh, you know, office costs money. Uh, and also, you know, especially being a DTC online brand, it's really hard to move your product without online marketing and online marketing, you know, Google and Amazon will always win. So you it, it costs a lot of money to spend on ads. Again, you want to make it in, in, in a wisely wise way, but still it costs money. Uh, and it's kind of like the chicken of the egg. It's like you have a great product, but you need people to, to see that you have a great product. So you also have right. to spend money on online marketing. Uh, and, you know, the other uh, things that every company has to spend is like um, people and the brand. So the brand, for example, till this, till this day, I designed the packaging on Canva for free. So oh, I nice. Free. Love Canva. That's what I use for yeah. the podcast. So... I realize it's also time we go to the next step. We, we have to change it. So it, it, these are things that cost money. It's, it doesn't cost millions of dollars, right? You don't have to hire the fanciest branding agency, but it's cost some money. So you need to have some capital. Um, and yeah, these are the, the main things that we will need capital for, especially also unlocking those new distribution channels. But um, the investors I have so far, they're also people who are in the CPG industry. Uh -huh. uh, uh, so it also helps just to have a sounding board and more connections. Again, I, I don't have CPG network. I didn't work in CPG. Um, I don't know investors. I don't know VCs. Uh, it's kind of like growing your network through more people that believe in you and uh, cheering for you. 
Sure. So as you know, they have a stake in your company. They will be supportive of you behind you. Uh, for them, you know, it's small amounts. It's you know, angel investors, but they are invested in you and and the brand. And they will tell their friends. They'll tell their network. They'll buy your product. So I also see that way of you know more people to support you. Love that. That's really cool. And and you mentioned innovation. I know you guys innovated into tea already. Is there anything yeah. else? I don't know if you don't want to share anything, that's totally fine. Is there anything as you think of the future of Waka that you guys might think about getting into? Yeah. So, I mean, um, it, it's very, um, I have a vision, but the actual skews, uh, I have, you know, I didn't call out this is going to be the next flavor or anything like that. I have a vision. We want to be the best instant coffee out there. Love so, it. we want to be the best instant coffee online. We want to be the best co- instant coffee at the grocery store. Luckily for us, there's, no innovation in instant coffee till this day. So if you yeah. go to a grocery store, it's the same huge plastic containers with the same low quality products, no flavors, nothing. Uh, we're probably not gonna go from at the beginning into the functional area. Um, there's some functional coffees out there already. Um, probably not that route at the beginning, but you know anything from you know iced coffee, flavored coffee, more varieties, more origins. Uh, this is definitely something that we're looking for. Love it. That's really cool. I mean, I think that that's a huge, to me, that category is just going to explode. If I had to take a bet today, I just feel like the coffee category as a whole is a, is a place ripe for innovation. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you feel that way too, but between function and just a lot, some of the, these new younger brands, like you guys that are coming into the space, I think it, it definitely, it's, it's nice. It's, it's a challenge to the, the old school, big brands that uh, have always just dominated that category. Right. Yeah. And, and again, for them, it was just on autopilot. Uh, we're selling the same product, uh, yeah. same people. Uh, and now they have these challengers that come into the game and they will have to adapt or uh, acquire. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No, hundred um, percent. So you've been in this for three years. What would you say has been like the biggest challenge, the biggest hurdle uh, up till now? You know, I mean, there's a lot of things I'm sure come to mind, but like, if you had to tell the audience, what's one thing you had to really like persevere through to stay on track and and help grow Waka Coffee? Yeah, well, I'll say uh, two things. One is more uh, marketing. The other one is more operation. So from the marketing side, and um, I always have to defend instant coffee. So it's changing people's perceptions, which is really hard. Um, you know, it's not something that you already do and we just offer a new product. We need to change the way you drink coffee. Uh, so that could be hard. So there's a lot of education. Uh, so we, you know, uh, obviously just me having a conversation with people, I always have this wait, but instant coffee doesn't taste good. So then I have to right. go on my entire, you know, uh, explanation of why, why to defend Waka coffee. And then on the other operation side is because we source our products from different countries, our packaging from different countries. It's a lot of moving parts, um, you know, especially during COVID, we had um, not as huge as with other brands because we could back, get back in stock pretty quickly, but we were sold out of literally everything in the first two weeks of April. So oh, wow. for about a week and a half of April, and especially when whipped coffee was huge, we were out of everything. Uh, so we rode the wave as much as we could, but if we had more products, we could even gotten even more from, from that wave. Sure. Uh, and that was a little complicated, especially during COVID. And, you know, I had to find new packaging suppliers and we had to find and expedite our coffee shipments. And it, it was a little, you know, as everyone else had issues and difficulties at that time. Um, but it's also still to this day difficult because, you know, we're not a huge brand. We need to buy still in small-ish quantities. Uh, so it's also, you know, price fluctuation, price uh, fluctuates and different suppliers. Um, and we need to keep track of that, all of that. So that's definitely, you know, the second main hurdle. Um, but the good thing is, like I said, again, that we can scale pretty quickly and overcome these hurdles um, because the mechanism that we have in place already. Got it. Love it. No, I mean, that's, that's super interesting. And I think it's good advice for anyone. There's going to be a lot of that as you scale any business, right? Um, so where you sit today, um, do, what do you think the next one to, you know, I guess I'll give you three years looks like for Waka Coffee. Do you have any like, you know, macro plans, goals? What are you striving for over the next couple of years? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, uh, we want to continue. We, we, I, I feel like that we, 
barely scratch the surface online. So we have a very you know bigger opportunity online. Uh, again, all what we did thus far was pretty much bootstrapping in-house. So you know making this process more robust and bringing more consumers through online our online channels, but also getting and opening more doors in retail, introducing new younger consumers to this category. Um, like you said, I, I think the category is already growing. It, it grew by 30% last year and it's growing more. It's growing more than the overall coffee category year over year. So more people learning what instant coffee is. And I want to have Waka Coffee the one that introduced instant coffee to those new consumers. Sure. So we A, need to make sure that we still the best instant coffee out there, but we also continue innovating with new products, education, and being where those consumers are when they just get introduced to instant coffee for the first time. Got it. And when your time at Waka Coffee someday, way down the road is over, what do you want to be remembered for? Uh, the company that, uh, you know, reintroduced instant coffee in America. Uh, you know, people, again, you know, think often that instant coffee doesn't taste well. I want in five years people talking about, oh my God, did you try this, you know, cool young instant coffee brand? Yeah. Uh, without being ashamed saying that they drink instant coffee. Uh, so, you know, we are not the, the coolest, uh, you know, soda or functional beverage or CBD brand. We're instant coffee uh, and we are proud of it. But I want to see in three, four years of people of like, oh my God, I love instant coffee. This is what I drink on a daily basis. Love that. No, that's awesome, man. That's really cool. I think you guys are on to something and um, excited to see what you guys can do. I mean, um, I'm definitely going to try, try to try some of this. Uh, I'm a big coffee fan, so I need to try some Waka coffee. Um, the last few questions are ones I love to ask all founders that come on here. Cause I feel like there's always just great responses. Um, the first one is, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a founder, I'm sure you're, you're, you're just busy all the time. There's always something you can be doing. Uh, what do you use? Like what tools do you use to track, you know, goals, uh, daily tasks, and really just to get shit done? Like, what do you, is it, are you an app guy? Are you a pen and paper kind of guy? Like, what do you do to organize your life? Yeah, I'm very old school. I have a notebook and I have literally, uh, you know, I put a check mark for every assignment that I do and I write a list every day. Um, I don't have an app. You know, in my previous jobs, I use um, uh, Trello and all that stuff, but I prefer just a pen and, uh, and a paper and sure. just writing my assignments. I take a lot of screenshots on my phone and then I look at my photos and they remind me of my assignments. So ah. again, it, it's some sort of technology, but it's still for older people, I guess it's I just <laughs> screenshots. And like, if I had a conversation with someone or an email that I need to go back to, so I'll screenshot it and then I'll go back in my photos and I'll see what I need to do. I know some people send texts to themselves, but I don't do that. I it just take uh, screenshots. But yeah, I, I write down everything, um, and I'm I'm trying to be as um, quick to respond. Um, I I know that I don't like when I wait for something for a long time. So sometimes it's a disadvantage because, like you said, I have a lot of things to do, and sometimes I should push things to give it a few more days. That it's it's not urgent, but. Um, you know, this is just something that I need to work on. Yeah. I know me personally, I, uh, I use pen and paper too. I use something called like a full focus planner, but I, one thing that's helped me, uh, I try to batch my emails. I'm not great at it, especially if something urgent comes up. I'm, I obviously, I usually jump all over it, but, um, I try my best to have like, you know, three times a day where I like, you know, like not leaving my email up and like morning, lunch and then you know at some point in the evening or and then probably four probably like later at night um yeah. just because i feel like i can crank through them and usually respond to things um but yeah everyone's got it different so that's really interesting i like the screenshot idea that's unique yeah. i haven't heard that one before and, and that's great with the emails I, it's definitely something I, I need to work on like i get an email and i need to respond right away and sometimes i'm holding myself and then it's a task to respond to this email so it, it's becoming even more of a process just you know emails Sure. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's a good advice. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Email can be overwhelming if you let it, um, source of knowledge. So what would you recommend to the audience as far as a book, a podcast, any source of knowledge that you love that you would recommend? Yeah. So, um, I, unfortunately I'm, it's really hard for me to focus with books, uh, which I, I, I something else that I need to work on, but I listen to 
some audiobooks. I used to listen to a lot of podcasts, so podcasts like yours or How I Built It or, um, you know, lots of other podcasts that talk with founders. I find it that, you know, sometimes I'm prob- I, I might not listen to the entire episode, but I'll skim through it and, and I'll just take notes from what worked for others and then I'll try it on my business as well. And it really helped me in a lot of ways, big to small, tactical to more strategy-wise, uh, and just listening to more ideas and more founders that did these things in the past definitely helped me a lot. Love that. I know I was actually talking to a founder yesterday, and I said, "What's it, it's been kind of crazy to think if you think back, even you know, a decade ago when podcasts were barely out there, like in the last ten years." what podcasts have done and like the ability to have like this conversation, like this conversation may have never happened if uh, podcasts weren't a thing. It's kind of crazy to think like at scale, like just how many conversations between interesting people have been able to take place that maybe, and then shared and people can listen to it. Um, Podcasts to me are, I'm with you. They're such a source of knowledge. Uh, I recently this year, I did make the hard switch over to audiobooks. Uh, I try to do it like when I work out or any like something where I'm like I'm I'm paying attention, but I'm not just like sitting at my desk working. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I can crank through and actually learn a lot more in audiobooks that way. So that's a good one. Appreciate it. Um, last one and most important one: How can people follow along with your journey, and how can they follow along and, and try walk a coffee? Yeah. Uh, well, first they can buy it on our website walkacoffee.com or Amazon if you live in Texas and there's the central market next to you. We'll, you know, we'd love to support with our first retail partner. Love that. Uh, and then, you know, our social media, uh, like I said, I have, you know, interns and, and I'm trying myself on TikTok. So definitely follow us there and other channels too. Um, my email is David at Waka Coffee. If somebody wants to reach out, um, you know, I'll try not to respond in five minutes, but uh, uh, <laughs> they were going to test you now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Feel free to email. Um, you know, I love talking with other entrepreneurs and learning from them uh, and definitely open to conversations and hearing, you know, ideas and share ideas. Um, you know, I- I'm trying not to hide things because you know, even when I have conversations with investors, like, did you sign an NDA? I, I try to do all these things, but again, it's all about execution. Like nobody will sure. steal your vision. Nobody will, st- they might, but you know, it's at the end of the day, it's mostly execution. You know, there are a bunch of bars, there are a bunch of coffee brands. It's who you are and how you create that brand. So I'm, you know, open and transparent as, as, as much as I can. Love that. Yeah. I think that's so true. I used to feel the other way. I used to feel like I couldn't share my ideas because someone would steal it. And then slowly, but surely after talking to people on the podcast, I totally agree with you. Like everyone's got good ideas. Very few people execute and stick through it and keep pushing when it starts to get tough or it's not as fun. And and that's when the magic happens. So totally agree. Love that. Well, David, thank you so much for your time. This was a great episode and uh, good luck with Walk of Coffee. Excited to see what you guys do next and uh, definitely gonna get my hands on some and try it out. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, Really had a lot of fun talking to you and um, yeah, I'm here if I can help with anything. Awesome, I appreciate it, David. Well, thank you and uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk soon. 